Welcome to the Opum Technologies Podcast Show, where the use of objective data for patient motivation and orthopedic rehabilitation benefits patient outcomes. The Opum Digital Knee uses artificial intelligence, AI, to assist orthopedic surgeons, healthcare facilities, and physical therapists with patient knee injury rehabilitation. Opum's digital knee device allows physicians to aid their patients with customizable rehabilitation plans, monitor results remotely, and engage with patients throughout their recovery journey. Opum helps identify at-risk patients, enabling doctors to intervene at the first sign of a problem, not when they return to the clinic. Automating the physical recovery process helps doctors and patients to achieve optimal success. Listen to how Opum Technologies can assist you in succeeding. We're here today with DPT Samantha Fernabach, an industry leader in human movement analysis, correction and injury recovery and prevention. Samantha is a clinical biomechanics specialist at MPI and is an active member of the American Physical Therapy Association Orthopedics Academy. Her role as a DPT, Samantha is working with elite athletes and national sports organizations and Olympic-level performers to help them better understand the root causes of various musculoskeletal conditions, as well as the optimal methods to restore function following injury with the outcome of optimizing performance and reducing injury risk. Samantha, welcome to the show today. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about you. What what path brought you here today? What's your what's your background? So I got my doctorate in physical therapy in 2012, and I actually thought at that point that I would be going down more of a neuro route. I think that the brain is super interesting. I love the plasticity and how your mind really powers your body. Um, and as I practiced more, I started doing traveling PT, and I worked in a bunch of different settings. And then. You know, when you're in PT school, of course, everyone thinks, I want to do sports. I want to work for pro teams. I want to be working with elite athletes. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, honestly, when you first start PT school and they say, who wants to work with athletes? It's like 95% of the students raise their hands. And, um, of course, I thought that, but then I really got into neuro more. Um, but then as my, my uh, career kind of developed, I really found myself going down more of an orthopedic route. Um, and then I got, I became board certified orthopedic clinical specialist in 2018 and um, I started getting more into the orthopedic sense, and I started doing more, taking more classes, doing more continuing education, and got more into this kind of biomechanics and seeing how the brain and the body kind of work together. Um, and get, kind of continuing with that route, I did a fellowship on advanced clinical biomechanics and kind of a sports route. Uh, and then I kind of have settled into kind of this dream job that I never would have thought of that you kind of talk about when you start PT school. And then it kind of goes by the wayside because who works with athletes of that caliber? Um, and now here I am kind of finding a niche uh, where I'm kind of using the, my interest in the brain and seeing how the brain really is important in finding that type of way to control yourself from a biomechanical standpoint to really maximize your orthopedic performance. And so here I am. So let's talk a little bit about the focus on movement performance. What, what is that mm-hmm. like for you? So, Movement performance, what I do at MPI, uh, we use a lot of objective measurements and technology to kind of find the root cause of PT, um, of, of uh, dysfunction and movement dysfunction, how we can maximize function or limit injury or change the way that you move using objective measures. So we use things like um, high-speed cameras, we use force plates, we use uh, a, bio, a BTE isometric strength machine, we use, all sort of, we use surface level electrodes, and we kind of 
can to find EMG to see what muscles are firing, how much they're firing, so that we can really gather objective data to give someone an idea of like, this is what's wrong with you, and this is why, and this is what you're seeing. So it kind of gives people a buy-in and a better idea than coming to a more traditional PT outpatient clinic where you can just kind of, oh, I push on you, does this hurt, does this hurt, does this hurt, versus kind of seeing your joint range of motion, watching you move, slowing down the camera, getting real numbers to let someone see this is what's causing your pain, this is what we need it to be, this is where you are, and how is it changing over your course of treatment to understand Number one, how are you getting better? How can you get better? And what do we need to change? Anybody who's had to do physical therapy for any sort of injury, that sounds amazing compared to some of the things that you used to go through when you're going through physical therapy. So what are the recent developments in physical therapy and rehabilitation that you're most excited about exploring yourself? So for me, like I mentioned, I love the objective data. It's really, it's, it's different for someone to come in and say like, okay, oh, I pushed on your arm or I pushed on your leg. I'm going to give that a four out of five, which we usually use our manual muscle test. Uh, We do like a zero to five kind of rating for muscle. And it's pretty um, subjective based on the who's measuring it versus coming into our clinic. And we use kind of formulas, putting them on a a, a isometric strength, strength machine and getting a percent deficit of strength based on your uh, weight match norms. Um, So it kind of says, okay, this is how weak you are in these muscles, and then we'll have you get on the treadmill or on a bike or whatever the type of movement is that you're having difficulty with, whether it's kicking, whether it's jumping, whether it's running, biking, whatever it may be, if it's it's lifting and it's weightlifting, we'll actually film you doing that, put on joint sensors, look at your range of motion, be able to slow it down and show them these are your deficits in movement, this is where you're having your weakness, this is what we need to improve, this is how we need to improve you. And so it's not something that you're going to get when you go to a typical uh, typical type of PT place. And then it's not only just getting strong, but it's actually doing that movement retraining to actually not only achieve a place where you can turn those muscles on, then it's how you use those muscles functionally so that you can actually get better performance. Now, tell us a little bit about the early patient engagement as it relates to acute ACL injury and the conservative approach to rehabilitation. Sure. So we do a lot of stuff with ACL injuries. We we primarily work with the lower quarter, um, and our, a lot of research comes out of our clinic, too. Uh, so we found that there's certain types of movement patterns that are consistent with ACL injury. So we can have people come in and go through some of our movement tests and based on different criteria that we look for, we can see what your risk of ACL injury may be. So depending on the way that you land a jump or the way that you cut or the way that you do a step down or different types of things or the symmetry in which you run, we also have four sensors in our, in our um, treadmill to see how you land, how symmetrical you are from left to right. Um, so there's these different types of criteria that we look for that if you have not had an ACL tear, there's different types of measurements that we can look at objectively to see what's your risk for having an ACL tear. Or if you have had an ACL tear and you're going through your rehabilitation, we also want to make sure that you're not doing these things to limit your chance of having a re-tear in the future because you are at greater risk if it has happened before, especially if it's a non-contact. So if you're having a non-contact ACL tear, there's a reason why it occurred. So we want to make sure that that does not happen again. It's more than just healing your knee and making sure that your ACL is better and your leg is strong again. Why did that happen and what can we do to make sure it doesn't happen again? And that's really, really important. Something that I think lacks in physical therapy at this point. Now, compare your average patient to a top athlete in their engagement level in something like that. 
Yeah. So um, definitely when we working with these professional athletes, there's a lot more on the line, right? So like they are going for the Olympics or trying to get back into the sport or their, you know, their paycheck is on the line. It's different when you're working with people and this is their job. They actually are obviously a lot more engaged, but I think that using objective data is really helps to get the buy-in from the patient. So when you can see this is your percent deficit of strength, or these are the range of motion deficit that you're lacking when you have your, when you have your initial strike or at when you are coming through and this is how much knee bend that you need when you, when you land at initial contact and this is where you are. And then they can go every four weeks, six weeks. We refilm them. We look at their range of motion. We look at their strength. We look at their movement and they see the way that they're improving. It really gives them that buy-in to keep continuing to do better. It's easy to kind of fall off the wagon in that sense of traditional physical therapy, but giving patients an objective measure of this is where you are. This is where you've gotten to. This is where we need you to be it helps them to kind of maintain that buy-in and achieve those goals. Now, if a patient has an acute knee injury, what methods of engagement are you currently utilizing in the industry to ensure that rehab exercise is compliant, that, that they're doing what they need to do? Yeah. So I think that typically like in, in more uh, traditional physical therapy, that's something that lacks. I think you see patients really frequently and you, they only kind of do their exercises when they come in and, you don't get that kind of consistent home exercise type stuff that you need. I mean, you can't do P- you can't do your exercises a couple times times a week and expect to get better. I think that's when having these objective measures are helpful, and they kind of have to be more accountable. Because if you're coming in in four weeks and you haven't been doing your exercises, and we get you on that strength machine and it's worse, you're not going to feel good about it. Now, on the same token, we also do we believe in a little bit more of a heavier load for strengthening. You really have to overload to get strong. I mean, doing like like long arc quads, kicking your leg out with a two pound ankle weight is not going to get your quads strong and doing some body weight squats isn't going to do it. So you better believe we have all of these patients as soon as they can, as soon as they're safe to load, you got a hex bar deadlift. We're, lo- we're loading up the bar. We're pushing the sled. We're like, we get after it. And that's also more, fun for these patients, especially with some of the populations that we see, they want to get in there. They want to get in the gym. They want to be doing this stuff. And as long as you have them doing it safely, they do feel engaged and they're excited to do it and they get after it. So we've been in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic for almost a year Mm -hmm. now. Are you, are you performing any tele-rehabilitation during the healthcare crisis? And do you see it as a tool to help augment the clinical practice? Yeah. You know, we do do a lot of telehealth. Um, it is pretty helpful. Again, we do a lot of stuff with technology and filming and stuff like that. So it is helpful for us to, even we work with some people that are international and we'll show them kind of the videos that we want to get from them and we have them send them to us. We have different kind of movements that we would prefer to see from people that will say, okay, do this exercise and send it to us and we'll look at it from these different views and it helps us get an idea of what their dominance are, where their weaknesses might be and how they're compensating, which is helpful for us. Um, even if you can't get a formal objective measure, we still can kind of gauge it that way. Um, the therapy that I like to do and that I see as the most beneficial is exercise-based. So that is something that you can kind of do at home with someone. We also do a lot of work with bands um, to help get good engagement, um, muscle engagement, I mean. And so that is there's room for that for home. It's something that you can easily send to someone and let them use it. And it actually, I think, has been pretty helpful and successful in that you have to be able to communicate with the patient, and it isn't so hands-on. So you have to be able to ask them, 
what do they feel? How are they moving? You know, moving the camera and give those good verbal cues so that they can to ensure that they're doing it properly, which is what you really want them to be able to do at home. So if you can effectively have them do it through the computer screen or the iPhone or whatever it is they're doing, then you know that they're doing it right at home. And that's super effective. That's where it's important. So speaking of COVID, how has that impacted patients' acute injury care? What were procedures avoided or postponed due to the pandemic and how did it affect the recovery? Totally. A lot of, there's not as many surgeries because at least for us, a big part of our population are these ACL patients. And if you're not playing sports, you're not getting injured. So the number of uh, surgeries that are getting done are less because the amount of injuries are, are less because people just aren't out doing those sports. So there's definitely been a downturn of those things. There's also a little bit of an upregulation of the amount of people that are getting just kind of chronic overuse injuries because all of a sudden people that were in the gym lifting have now decided to go start running or picking up biking. So then you get some of these overuse injuries that are something that you may have not had before because kind of have to do like a switch and kind of pivot and change your exercise. And so for some of those people, you kind of have kind of just changed a little bit, definitely less than before, which is not really unexpected. Um, but the pivot happened. And unfortunately, we're kind of dealing with that. Um, we're kind of working on finding those other patients and making ourselves available for them because definitely that ACL clientele that we've really had been on has, is not there and the sports just aren't there. Um, so we're kind of want to look at more injury prevention because when sports come back, you better believe those knees are going to get busted because people aren't strong and you have to be strong in order to uh, avoid those injuries. Totally. Now, with the explosion of new remote patient monitoring technologies in various segments of healthcare, have you had the chance to explore any wearable tools such as a digital knee to track and analyze the biomechanics of patients? No, I haven't had the chance to, but I love the idea of it. I think it's really neat because you can't get those objective measures that I think are so important. Like, how can I see how your range of motion has changed or how do I know how you're actually walking and what is your gait? Because those are the things that really are important to me, like I've mentioned. Like, those are things that are really important to monitor. Those are things that are important to know. And those are things that give patients their buy-in, like I mentioned. Because you asked me before, how do you get people to really make sure that they keep coming back or that they're doing their stuff? And it's those objective measures. So when people are, get a little bit wary of coming into a clinic or don't want to go see the doctor or don't want to be doing those different things, it's hard to be able to say, hey, you know what? You're doing better than last week. They're like, okay, thank you. Like, you're almost a professional cheerleader. Of course, they're going to tell me that. But to be able to give those patients something to see those objective measurements and be able to explain to them, this is where you were before, this is where you are now, this is what I'm monitoring, this is what I see, is something that I think is super cool and can be helpful in all types of uh, all types of settings and for all types of uh, patient populations. Because it really it really does help get that buy-in. And that, I think that's what's really important for people to be able to maintain their adherence to those types of things and really get better. You mentioned being a cheerleader to, to patients. How important is it in your estimation to have a really good rapport and relationship with, with your patients as you're going forward in terms of getting them to meet their success goals? Well, for me, I think that it's important. I mean, it's, it's my personality. I, I think that it's almost I'm almost kind of annoyed myself because I can't help it. Like I really feel, I really feel for my patient success. It's, it is my, 
I'm like, they always like, dang, you're the best hype woman. And I'm like, I can't help it. Like for when someone has any type of a success, I feel so proud of them because they're working hard and I'm working hard to help them work hard. And so I think that their wins are my wins because I just want everyone to do well and feel well and prepare well and perform well, especially when I'm working with my higher level athletes. Like I feel like their success is on my shoulders and I want them to do well. But the same thing goes with someone else who comes in that just can't walk. So like if you're taking your step and you, you can take, you can walk for 10 minutes without pain, like that is a success and that makes me feel good. And it's interesting because something as small as like putting up your hair or being able to pull your pants up, like these kind of small things that I really enjoyed about thinking about going down the neuro route when I first started uh, being a clinician were like, I love these small victories, but you still have these kind of small victories that make that, that give you that same kind of fulfillment and success when you're working with an orthopedic higher level type of uh, population. And that's what's cool. So what method do you currently use to prescribe and engage patients in their daily rehab activities for those doing some of their rehab at home or out of your clinical setting? So for me, I just really send pictures. I really just send pictures and I have them go over it for me when I see them uh, in person or I mean over the screen. So I'll, I'll prescribe my exercises. I send photos, I write detailed descriptions, and then I have them demonstrate it for me when next time I see them virtually. Um, And I use, uh, I also use some kind of online, uh, websites to send the exercises and stuff. And then I just take their word for it. And their word for it is usually demonstrated via their performance. Sure. You and can... it's like, yeah, I did it. And it's like, let me see it. It's like, oh, you know, like that one that we did that time. It's like, Mrs. Sanderson, I don't know if you did it. So I kind of do it that way. Sort of like when dentists ask you if you've been flossing, they know. They know. They absolutely know. Uh, yeah. So so we know the general population lack engagement in rehab outside of the clinical setting, and that does impact outcomes. Uh, do you see the digital knee as being a tool that can help drive patient compliance that may lead to improved outcomes? I think that it could be. Again, I really think, like I keep saying, objective measures really help to get buy-in. And when you're talking about physical therapy, it really is buy-in. Is this helping me? Is this making me better? Am I getting better? especially when you're with someone that's injured, has pain, that's the track that they stay on. So it's very easy for someone that has, especially a chronic injury or chronic pain, they stay in that track. And your goal as a physical therapist is to change the track that they're on, put them on a new train. And you can do that by looking at successes and looking at what they've done well. And so when you take them off of like, what's my pain number? How am I doing? I still hurt. I can't. And you get them to a place where it's like, this is my range of motion. It's getting better. And my step length has gotten this well. And this is my cadence. And I'm going, you have to change the lane. And you can only change the lane when you have something to change it to. So what's my functional outcome? How long have I been on my leg today? How far did I walk? How quickly did I do it? How well is my range of motion? Changing that lane and putting them into a different type of a lane and changing the train and going to the track that they're on is really important. And so when you can give someone successes, and change them from this pain train to a more functional and positive train that they're on, it really changes everything surrounding their injury or everything surrounding their rehab or everything surrounding their surgery. And this train kind of goes off the track and it's not a track that you want them to be on and everything else kind of falls in line. So by allowing them to kind of see that in a way where they're not coming into a clinic, I think can be hugely successful. Even just, you know, being able to check off an exercise sheet is helpful or making a grid where you can check it off or something like that 
that's great for them because they can see what they've done and it's something, you know, fill the glass, keep it full. That's important. Along those same lines, so that's that's for primarily for your for your average everyday person who's a client. Yeah, high level athletes keep track of literally everything, right down to right. every calorie that goes into their body. So they're already mm-hmm. measuring those gains. So that has to be really important to bring that to the average person too. Totally, it, it actually does, and it also is important for these athletes because they're used to doing everything great. So when there's something going on that expects them not to, they really perseverate on that. So those victories are even more important for them. Now we mentioned the return to sport coming up and the injuries will be coming back. Uh, Mm -hmm. How are you currently messaging your patients about conditioning in hopes of avoiding those injuries? We do a lot of that. So oftentimes when people get through kind of their rehab process and are doing great, a lot of them stay on for injury prevention because it's, so, so, so important. And it's going to come, it's going to hit like a brick wall. And we've been trying to reach out to some clubs and different stuff and talk to them about some injury prevention stuff and what they should be looking at and what we should be working on because it's not going to be pretty. It's really not going to be pretty. The biggest problem is going to be that people haven't been able to get into gym. So even if you want to stay strong, you just can't be pushing the weight that's important for these athletes, especially young athletes where it's they're really it's a developmental time where they need to be staying strong and really pushing some serious weight beyond body weight or dribbling the ball or doing whatever it is that they would be doing at this point to kind of stay active, but you also have to stay strong. And that's gonna to be tough. It's gonna to be really tough. Yeah. And we've covered a lot of things, the the increase of injuries when returning to sports. Um is there anything else you'd like to add that we might have not covered so far in the in our conversation? Um, I think that we've covered a lot of things. I think the real takeaway is that objective measures are super important. It helps both the clinician and the patient because it also keeps me accountable, right? So, like, if I've been doing a great job and telling you what to do at home, doing a good job at improving your gait or your running or your cycling or whatever it is that you're doing, then I know and I can feel confident that come four weeks and we're going to get you back on there that it's going to be better. But if I've really been slacking off, it's going to show for me too. So it keeps me me really accountable as a clinician. It keeps you accountable as a patient. And then everyone has to really perform their best. And I think that that really leads for a strong patient-therapist alliance, which is what's important to make sure that everyone succeeds. So that everyone kind of feels good at the end of the day. And that's, that's awesome. Um, I also think that something else that's super important is strength and staying strong. Um, I think exercise and movement is something that's the most important thing to keep a body healthy and not just doing it, but how you're doing it. So it's really important to make sure that you know how to activate the right muscles, use the right muscles, and then parlay that into your exercise and then parlay that into your function. So it's like a multi-step type of process to make sure that everyone kind of moves in like a symbiotic way to be uh, to be at their best. And um, yeah, I think that all those things, we're doing the best we can through this pandemic. And there's obviously a lot of tools that are out there to kind of help do do that. Um, and I hope that everybody stays healthy when sports come back, because it's going to be a doozy. I hope that people are doing the best that they can to stay strong, because it's coming. Everything's t- kind of slowly trickling open, and it's going to be good. We don't want to have everybody end up with the weekend warrior syndrome where you don't do anything for a very long time and you're like, it's time to do it. I'm going to do it. And then that's when you really end up hurting yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's important to stay to stay ready. And a lot of my athletes say that, too, that are no longer injured. 
and they keep coming in and stuff and they just got to stay ready. And that's important. Samantha Fernabach, thank you so much for sharing your insights on physical therapy. What's the best way for someone to contact you? Um, you can find us um, at, on our Instagram. It's at movementpi. And we also have our website is movementpi.com. And then my email is fernabach at movementpi.com. So, Samantha Fernabach, thank, thank you again so much for your time today and uh, sharing your knowledge. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Opum Technologies podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes featuring best practices for orthopedic care management throughout the world. If you have questions or topic suggestions for the show, please email us at andrew.mcnaughton at opumtechnologies.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-W dot M-C-N-A-U-G-H-T-O-N at O-P-U-M-T-E-C-H-N-O-L-O-G-I-E-S dot com.